This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, week 14 in the NLL was one of the best yet, but could week 15 surpass it? Kyle Killen and the Colorado Mammoth have a huge home and home with the Vancouver Warriors this weekend. Jesse King of the Roughnecks is live in studio, and we still wait for news on Callum Crawford. All that and more on OTCB. What's going on, lacrosse fans? Welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on SoundCloud and NLL Radio. What a great show we have for you today. Kyle Killen joins us from Colorado. He's in town uh, not only for a big Mammoth game on Saturday, but he's also in Denver helping out with the Mammoth Spring Break Camp, as a lot of National Lacrosse Leaguers doing over the next couple of weeks. So we'll chat with one of the hottest National Lacrosse League players and rookies uh, going right now as he continues to put up numbers for the Mammoth. They came off a huge win in Calgary over the Roughnecks. They not only take the season series, but they keep pace in the race for fourth place in the West, along with those Vancouver Warriors who they just happen to play in back-to-back games Friday and Saturday this weekend. Uh, In studio, Jesse King, another fantastic number 19 from Victoria, British Columbia. He's in studio, so we'll have a lengthy chat with Jesse, and and he and I chat everything from Ohio State to Lululemon to rehab, when he's going to be back. Um, We talk about life in Victoria. Lots to chat about. Um, But some housekeeping things, you want to get a hold of me here at the show, you can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar. You can email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. For those that have been asking, uh, I don't know any names that are coming to Victoria Shamrocks this summer. Uh, There's been rumors that I am returning out of retirement. That is untrue. Uh, There's been rumblings that Paul Gate is coming out of retirement. That also is not true. Uh, Fred Jenner may come out of retirement um, because, I don't know. Let's start a rumor. Um, But what a week 14 we had. And it was a very busy week 14. One game on Friday, Georgia and Rochester, and what a classic it was. Another great game between those two clubs. And I know a lot of people were all over Georgia on this game. You know, where's this great Georgia defense? And this is a Georgia team that's supposed to be competing for an NLL title, why are they giving up 14 to the Nighthawks? A, great question. And B, if it wasn't for Chris Bushy, it had been 15 to 7. So take it with a bit of grain of salt. But hey, Chris Bushy, go have yourself a game. Uh, the kid was in and out of the Mammoth lineup for most of the year. Oh, sorry, not the Mammoth. The Roughnecks lineup for most of the year. Um, but just was unable to find a solid ground. And with the likes of Reese Dutch and Curtis Dixon on that righty shooter side, they needed to make a bit of moves and a bit of space. So Bougie to Rochester for a pick was in a, wasn't an easy decision, but a decision that Mike Board made. And Chris Bushy, uh, bad and Bushy, as they're saying down in Roch Vegas, uh, just went out and had himself a game. He only had eight goals all year with Roch or sorry with Calgary in the eight games that he played he has nine in two games for Rochester 
he has almost as many points in two games as he did in his eight with Calgary. 14 points with the Riggers, and he's already got 13 in Rochester's. They played back-to-back games this past weekend. They came out on the losing end of both those games. They fall further and further out of the race for fourth. And even though Toronto has only played 11, which is crazy, they've only played 11 games. The other teams in the East have played upwards of 14. They're a game and a half out of first place. They're six and a half games up on Philadelphia and Rochester. So that's why they haven't quite clinched a playoff spot yet, just because of those games in hand. But I think it's pretty safe to say that Toronto's going to earn a playoff spot. And my numbers aren't exact, and I haven't seen the latest NLL playoff scenario out yet. But I would imagine with one more win, both Toronto and New England could pretty much sew up a playoff spot. Philadelphia and Rochester are on the wrong way going home. And New England plays Philadelphia this weekend, so they could essentially be knocked out. Calgary takes on Rochester in Rochester. So two big games for both the Nighthawks and the Wings. They try to keep any sort of playoff hope alive. And in that Rochester-Toronto game, a couple guys scoring their first ever National Lacrosse League goals. And we talked about Jeff Wittig last week when he scored his first ever NLL goal and just the pure jubilation and joy that was in his entire body when that ball went in. When you see Domini and you see some of these other rookies scoring their first ever National Lacrosse League pro goals and you see their excitement level, that's what it's all about, folks. That pure joy and elation when that ball goes in the net for your first, there's not too many better feelings. But again, Toronto takes over Rochester late in that game, 15-13 win. Um, Nick Rose stellar down the stretch. And then we get to the games on Saturday, four games on Saturday. Let's start in the middle of the continent. Buffalo and Saskatchewan, um, a rematch of the NLL Finals a couple years ago. Some people think it could be a rematch of the Finals this year. And, man, how good would a best two of three between those two teams be? Saskatchewan had it. They let it slip. Evans scored late. Fraser with a second straight OT winner. A I won't call it a garbage goal because how he scored it was pretty dang nifty, but catches a, a missed shot off the back of glass, goes into the netting on the back of the net. He picks it up, dunks it behind Adam Shute for the game winner. Tough way to lose a lacrosse game. Vancouver and New England go down to the wire. Vancouver... Uh, comes up with a much-needed win after Colorado knocked off Calgary um, about like 45 minutes earlier. And they, and Colorado, as mentioned, a back-to-back doubleheader. Friday, Saturday. Friday in Vancouver, Saturday in Colorado. Speaking of Colorado, they went into the Rough House, a place where they've had some okay success but they still can't find themselves out of the first quarter. Only scored once. They now have 14 first-quarter goals in 12 games. That's not a good stat line. But as they've been known to do, 
forget about that first quarter. Let's just move on and play 45 minutes more lacrosse. And they did that. They found a way to beat Calgary. Uh, the youthful legs of Ryan Lee and Kyle Killen and Eli McLaughlin again doing damage. Even Robert Hope got in the scoring as he was the only guy that scored in that first quarter. Uh, but a huge win for Colorado just to keep momentum going. And then in the final game of the weekend, Philadelphia in San Diego, the battle of expansion brothers. And again, Philadelphia had it. They gave it up late. They allowed San Diego to claw their way back in. And Mr. Rookie of the Year, most likely, Austin Stotts, nets the game winner late and gives Philadelphia another loss. And you got to start feeling for some of those guys in that locker room. A guy that is myself who's been on some bad expansion teams. And I don't think Philadelphia's a bad team. They've just run into some very bad and unfortunate luck over the season. Uh, they fall to 2-8, and eight, while the Seals are in first place in the NLL West after 11 games. They've won three straight. They've won six of their last four. And show of hands, who had the Seals at the top of the standings this late in the season. Anybody? Steve Govett, put your hand down. Anybody else? Didn't think so. Kudos to that whole group and everything they're doing. We've talked about it. It's going to get tougher as every week comes by as we get closer and closer to playoffs. But it's incredible to see them sitting at the top of the division. But only three and a half games separate first from fifth. So you better... Keep that streak going. Keep the energy going forward. Or a couple wins could see you drop a few spots. But that was week 14. Let's check out how it sounded in a quick look back. And Kyle Jackson now will backpedal on the far boards. Middle of the floor to Jamison. Near side to Burke. Feeds it in front. Bushy shoots and scores. Now to Hasek. Into Georgia territory. It's the trailer that's feed and a goalie scored. Dawson feed his first pro goal. Feeds it over Bushy for seven. He got it. That one's flipped over to Williams. Grabbed and fired behind the net. Now fed out in front. The shot he scores. And it's Shane Jackson again. And Rick Rose swept it up. Long pass finds Dominic. Dominic scores! And I'll debut! Welcome to the big league, Scott Dominic! Picked up by Gillies. Gillies waits, drops, scores! And that is Armstrong. Back to Jameson. High, wide, rebound, off the top. Rose with another huge save. And it's a rock open cage. Damon Edwards scores! Edwards! Cuts to the middle. Matt Shatler fires and scores! That one surprised Matt Vince. And Jeff Shatler gives the rush their first lead of the game. 11-10 in the lead. Hogarth for McKay. Behind the goal he goes for Evans. Evans comes out front and a sneaky shot there. Fools Adam shoot. And we're all tied at 11. It's right up into the grill of Sean Evans. Now Fluche, low shot, wide of the goal. Now behind and they score. Oh, shoot got turned around and they found the ball and it looks like it's Fraser who picked it up. Doby, 
looking at his options, finds a man up high, gets it back, takes the shot, scores! There it is! Jay Dovey, number 400 of his career. Unlocked with a bit of a step. Now he peels back. Nice pass behind the back. Goal! Wow. Gorgeous by Kyle Killen. 9-8 Colorado. Wow, wow, wow. There's a shot, scores! The dagger from Kyle Killen. 11-9 Colorado. For Reza Terrence, passes behind him. Shot clock at five. Reza Terrence, LeBlanc with a shot, and he scores! Just beats the shot clock. And a fast start in the second half for New England, who go up seven to six. Passes to Malcolm, back to Jones. Pump fake, cuts in, shoots! Got it! Here's a shot and a goal by O'Connor. Quick passing play. Digby with his fifth assist of the game, and that's O'Connor with his second goal. Thrown in front, it's stolen away by Salt. He's got an empty net if he wants it. Justin Salt shoots, scores! Cross floor pass in front, Duncan yeah. for Shoots it wide, long rebound opportunity belongs to Philadelphia. Shot clock inside 10. That shot from outside ties the score. Oh, dangerous pass in front, stop, scores! For a weekend that was free across BR Live, it probably couldn't have gone down any better. Every single game was close down to the wire. No game won by more than three goals. It was electric. It was playoff-like. And it was intense from the first to the last whistle. And this weekend, it's only going to get better. An Eastern class, Toronto and Georgia. We've talked about the Colorado-Vancouver home-and-home. That starts on Friday. Saskatchewan at San Diego, a battle for first in the NLL West. New England and Philadelphia, a Wolves win could knock the Wings out. Toronto at Buffalo, Calgary at Rochester, and then the rematch between Vancouver and Colorado. And if Toronto can knock off Georgia and then go into Buffalo and pull off another win, if they can get two road wins in the division late in the year, who dog it? I believe that they would jump right up into a tie for first with the Buffalo Bandits. They may. Yeah, they will be in the first. They're a game and a half, a game and a half behind. If they win two, they'd be tied. And I'll just make the last few weeks in the East that much more important. The good thing for the Toronto Rock, they have thir- no, they have three games. I was about to say 13. They have three games in hand of Buffalo and Georgia. So they have a great opportunity to work their way into that number one seed and get themselves a little home floor advantage. Because it doesn't look like any of the Western teams are going to put enough of a move on to get into that number one overall seed. As it stands right now, Buffalo, Toronto, Georgia, then San Diego, New England, Saskatchewan, Calgary, Vancouver. Those are your top eight. So we got some things to decide this weekend. The Seals and Rush 
battling for first place. They're separated by just a game. But I think the biggest matchup of the entire weekend is going to be between the Warriors and the Mammoth. Vancouver's already won the opening game of the series, an overtime thriller, back in January. If Vancouver can win one of two, they'll take the season series and really give them a stranglehold on that number four seed out west. If Colorado can steal both of these games, they would take a massive step to securing a playoff spot. Now, there's a ton of season to go. After this weekend, they'll still have four games remaining, two at home, two on the road. For both of those clubs, they'll have four games remaining. But for Colorado, in a season that has been everything but awesome, to still have a chance after the trades, after the ups and downs, after the slow starts, after some bad games, after some tough losses. This is a team that's still right there. And if they can put a couple wins together over Vancouver, take the season series, create some space, put Vancouver in a bit of the rearview mirror, then maybe get some help from Rochester knocking off Colorado. Maybe they can gain some ground on the Roughnecks as they now hold the tiebreaker over them. So third place isn't really out of reach. Getting first is going to be tough. Even getting to second will probably be tough. They've lost the season series to San Diego. They still have to play Saskatchewan twice more. Once at home, once on the road. So third is definitely doable. Second could be tough. But again, like I said, you start putting some wins together. You get some help. And as tight as, you know, the top four are on each side, a winning streak of three games down the stretch is huge. One guy that's really been helping the Colorado Mammoth has been that killing kid. That is his Twitter handle. I'm not just making up a name for him. That killing kid, Kyle Killen, out of Cavan, Ontario, near Peterborough. He's played in nine games for the Colorado Mammoth this year. He has 30 points. He's scored in every single game. His lowest point total was two points. That's it. A goal and assist in the Georgia game where they won 10-8. But everything else, he's scored in every game, he's got assists in every game, and he continues to play above and beyond where he should. The goal he scored in Calgary was one of the... trying to find the most creative adjective that I can here. Um, Most beautifully disgusting goals I've ever seen. Running backwards on his strong side, catches the ball moving, and in one motion throws a no-look-behind-the-back shot on cage that beats Del Bianco. He had no right throwing that shot. He had no right scoring that shot. And yet I'm so glad he did. And he continues to bring energy that the Mammoth have needed out that front door in a while. I talked about the young legs. Wittig, McLaughlin, Wardle, Rue, Killen, and Ryan Lee. That's a very young offense. 
And with the departure of Ryan Banesh, with it seeming like Jeremy Noble's kind of on the outside of this offensive picture, this is a much different looking offense than when the year started. And they're playing like a much different offense. Be interesting to see how they match up against a big physical Vancouver defense. They need to continue to find ways to get to the middle of the net. And they need to find some way to get more than one goal in the first quarter. It's an anomaly that blows my mind. I don't understand why they can't score in the first quarter. But every opening 15 minutes, I'm just worried that they'll throw a goose egg on the board. But let's not worry about that. Let's focus on that killing kid. He continues to score. He put up numbers constantly. And when I caught up with him, he was just getting done with his day at Colorado Youth Camp. You know, I'm down here working uh, the Mammoth uh, Spring Break Camp with uh, Brad Self. So uh, it's going well. You guys got a lot of kids out this week? Uh, we, I think we probably have around 25 or so. So it's not, not too many, but uh, it's a good number. You know, uh, great one-on-one time with the kids. Absolutely. How does Denver compare to Cave in Ontario? Uh, it's definitely different for sure. Um, <laughs> you know, um, where I'm from, like in Peterborough, it's, uh, it's a pretty small town. Um, everyone pretty much knows each other. When we get to Denver, it's a big city, you know, the mountains, everything like that. Uh, I haven't got out there to explore them yet, but I'm uh, hoping to. Uh, I, I grew up in Victoria, so I had a lot of great lacrosse players to look up to when I was young. How was it growing up in Peterborough with the likes of John Grant, Tracy Kluski, and the Evans brothers? Uh, it's definitely uh, really cool for sure. You know, when I was younger, I used to go to all the Peterborough Lakers games, watch those guys, and, you know, the stuff some of them would do would just be unbelievable and just kind of leave you speechless for a little bit. So it was pretty cool, and uh, it's pretty cool to, you know, uh, be uh, be close with some of them now. You uh, you left some people with their jaws wide open this past weekend with your goal against Calgary. Um, you've had an incredible start your rookie season obviously you missed the first couple games just trying to work your way in the lineup what did those first couple of weeks teach you about being a pro in the national lacrosse league uh just taught me that uh you know nothing's given to you you got to earn your spot and uh you know coming in i i wasn't expecting to jump in right away obviously i would have liked to but um you know you got to earn your spot and you got to buy your time and uh i was just happy that you know when i did get my chance that uh I did well and worked hard, and I was just trying to do anything I could, uh, you know, get myself in the lineup regularly. What's been the message from head coach Pat Coyle and, and no coach Sean Williams to keep you in that line and to keep your momentum forward? Um, you know, uh, the other day, uh, Patty actually said to me, he's just like, uh, you need to realize uh, how good you are. You know, I was playing a bit shy. I wasn't, uh, wasn't trying to do too much, but you uh, said you need to realize, like, what skill you have, and he's like, you need to just – uh, let it uh, let it happen. So uh, they just said, just do what you uh, you've been doing, and uh, you'll be all right. Where's the number sixty-seven come from? Um, you know, when I when I was younger, like I grew up my whole life wearing number seven everywhere I played, and uh, you know, I was like number seven wasn't here. You know, Ryan Benesh had it, so I was just trying to think of a number that you know 
would be my number. I don't think anyone else in the league wears it. And, you know, I just thought I, I wanted to set myself apart that way. I think Jeff Zawicki is the only other guy I've known to wear 67. So it is a pretty rare number. But you're a pretty rare talent. Uh, like I said, the goal you scored against Calgary, uh, fading backwards, the backhander between Del Bianco's leg, just a very natural-looking shot from you. Um, how confident are you in your game right now? Uh, I'm pretty confident. You know, um, that's that's basically what this game comes down to. you got to play with confidence. you got to trust that uh, everything you've learned growing up and everything you practice every day is going to just take its course in the game. So you need to trust yourself and just uh, do, what, uh, do whatever you need to do out there. Obviously, having uh, your college teammate and friend Ryan Lee on the team has helped. How nice is it, is it for you to have a familiar face in the locker room? Uh, that's definitely nice for sure. You know, in college, we only got to play one year together, which, uh, which kind of sucked. But, you know, coming here, um, when, we, when we were there at college the one year, we, we clicked really well. So coming here, I knew that coming in right away, it would I could do what I needed to do because I knew where he was going to be, and it made me feel a lot more comfortable. Was Ryan Lee all the hype that we heard he was at RIT? He was. He, uh, like I said, I only got to play one year with him, and uh, you know, uh, we ended up going to the national championship and uh, losing to Salisbury. But uh, you know, he uh, he was a big part of that team, if not the biggest. You guys have have started to show a little more heart, I guess. Like it's I, uh, is the word I'd use the last few games. Not that you guys haven't. Um, all year, but there seems to be some sort of switch that conflicts with you guys, and you're starting to play some better lacrosse. What's been the message from Pat Coyle over the last couple of weeks? Um, it's just been, you know, stay true north. You know, when you're when you're trying to get to a destination, you know, there's going to be obstacles in the way, but as long as you you keep going true north and staying towards that task, you know, you're going to be all right. Yeah, fun in Calgary this past week because that's a great environment to play in. I did, you know, it, it was, it's a, li- a little bit like Denver here, you know, fans are loud trying to get on you, but, uh, lucky, lucky that's when I like to, uh, like to play my best. I like, I like when I get booed, you know, it kind of brings out <laughs> the best in me. It's fun. Yeah. I remember one hockey player said, if the fans and opposing rinks aren't booing you, you're not doing your job right. Exactly. Uh, this has been a, a good streak for you. You've scored and got points in every game, but the offense is starting to come around. Eli McLaughlin is playing unreal, uh, his best across we've seen. Uh, how has how this offense started to come together with you know the trade of Ryan Benash and, and you're now in the lineup, now Wittig's in the lineup. How is this offense starting to come together? Uh, it's starting to come together really well. You know, we got some young guys that, you know, are just doing all the right things that the coaches want and, you know, um, it's it's working out for us right now. We're just playing hard, and you know uh, wh- where we were at. I kind of think there was there was only one way to go, and that was up. And uh, I think we're doing that right now. Obviously, a big weekend uh, for you guys this weekend coming up against Vancouver. Doubleheader, home and away. Uh, how excited are you about this key weekend for you guys? I'm very excited. It's a big weekend, and uh, you know these are the type of situations that people want to play lacrosse and want to play sports for the big weekends that, you know, can have, have an impact on your whole season. And so I, I think all of us are ready and uh, we're just excited to get started. If you weren't playing the NLL, where would you be? 
Um, I'm not really sure, you know, what growing up, but this is always what I've wanted to do. And, um, so I'd, I'd probably still be back in, back in Rochester finishing up classes, but, uh, I decided to just take them online this semester. That way I could, you know, get the, get the full NLL experience. Um, and, uh, it's going well so far. How was the NLL experience been for you? Cause like we kind of talked about, you know, your first two games you sat out, but you're still traveling with the team. You're on the road. You're, you're in different cities. How, how's the pro life treated you so far? Uh, it's actually going really well. You know, I, I haven't explored too much around, like I haven't been to any, uh, I haven't been to BC ever. You know, it was nice. I haven't been to Calgary ever. It was nice just getting out there, you know? So uh, it's pretty cool. It, this this sport takes you a lot of different places, and I'm just excited for it. Have you ever thought about spending the summer out west, though? Uh, I'm not sure. You know, I, the, the whole MSL experience, um, like playing against Peterborough, playing against Brooklyn, all those teams. You know, it's, yeah. it's a nice competition. And uh, last year was my first year playing there, so I haven't really thought too much about going anywhere else. So I'm just trying to see where, see where it goes. There he is. That's Kyle Killen of the Colorado Mammoth. Again, you can find him on Twitter at that Killen Kid, K I double L E N. And if he continues to score jaw dropping goals week in and week out, we're going to have to f- start playing some Fujis inside the Loud House a lot more often. But thanks to Kyle for giving us some time to chat. He's, he's really fit in with that group down in Colorado, and uh, we kind of talked about having a guy like Ryan Lee, who we knew for a year down at RIT. Um, just having a familiar face inside your pro locker room is always a benefit. Having a guy there that you can lean on, um, that you can travel with, you can room with, uh, you can kind of get caught up on local hot spots, where to eat for lunch, things like that. Just it always helps to make that, jump a little easier so uh super happy that kyle killen is in the lineup playing so well uh just as happy for a guy like ryan lee uh who came off a very disappointing rookie campaign uh but has impressed the coaching staff above and beyond their means in the way he's played this year and he continues to score big goals he continues to score flying goals and he continues to have that smile on his face as the man with continue to try to find the right chemistry out the front door. Before we get to our main interview with Jesse King, because it's a pretty lengthy one, let's quickly touch on the Callum Crawford situation. Uh, I'm sure you all know by now he was um, given a one-game suspension after their hearing uh, that took who knows how many hours on Friday. Um, They upheld the one-game suspension for the match penalty. Um, so he served that this past weekend as New England played Vancouver. Uh, we were all told that the hearing officer would rule on the additional five games for him being a repeat offender this week. Um, we haven't heard, obviously, most likely. We probably won't hear that till late Thursday, early Friday. Um, but New England having a game in Philadelphia this weekend, obviously they would like to know sooner than later if they're going to have Callum Crawford in their lineup for Saturday night. But as I have said many times in the buildup to finding out what's going to happen with Callum Crawford, I truly do not know how the National Lacrosse League can go back on their ruling. Now, as we've talked about, the only 
sort of logical thing that I can justify, and it's not even logical. It's just the only thing that I can think the PA and the Black Wolves would be arguing is wording of the rules. And if we go all the way back in the NLL rulebook, so we can, he was given a match penalty, which now he served his suspension for. So he has now been given two match penalties in 433 days. I did the math. So that is within a two-year period. So then we go to rule 41.4, and it reads, any player who has assessed a second match penalty, a second dangerous contact to the head penalty, or a combination thereof within a two-year period shall be assessed an additional five games. And then it adds, if it's a third match penalty within a two-year period, an additional 10 games. Then it says, note, the two-year period shall be determined as multiple infractions occurring within 730 days, with the starting date being the day of the first infraction. So we know that it's been 433 days. So that's within that two-year period. We know he was given a match penalty last year and a match penalty this year. So that would mean two match penalties and a combination of within two years an additional five games. So, again, I'm not a lawyer. I've had a few lawyer people kind of weigh in on social media saying, well, maybe they can try and lawyer speak their way around this, the wording of the rule and try and find a loophole. Whereas I believe Calgary tried to find the loophole last year when it was unclear if it was an additional five games or five games in total if you are a repeat offender. They've actually changed Rule 41.4 just because of that reason last year, clarifying that it is an additional five-game suspension. There has been talk that there was maybe a clerical error in how the um, penalty was handed out or how the suspension was dealt with. Again, I'm not too sure, not too many people are sure of why, A, it's taking this so long, and B, how it is even possible that they can avoid the five games for Callum Crawford. It makes no sense. And to me, and I know to a lot of others that I have spoken with, if they rescind this a repeat offender, they do not look good. It will open up headshots it will open up dirty play if Callum Crawford is given a reprieve and now that they have confirmed that the hit was a match I don't see how they cannot give him five games more five games more I don't know what loophole they're trying to find I don't know what they're trying to accomplish. Because as I've said, we even talked about it tonight. I believe with one more win, New England can knock Philadelphia out of playoff contention. A win by New England moves them to 8 
and five. If they somehow lost somehow lost out the rest of the season, they would be eight and ten. With a loss this weekend, Philadelphia drops to two and eleven. If they win out, the best they could do is seven and eleven. They can't catch New England. They can't catch anybody else in the East. So truly, the only logical reason that someone would be arguing for Callum Crawford to get back in the National Crossing right now and not serve a five-game suspension for being a repeat offender is that he's going for an NLL scoring title and that it wouldn't be good to have the league's leading scorer sit out the final six games of the regular season. That does not fly. I understand that, yes, it would be awesome for Callum Crawford to win a scoring title. It would be amazing for the New England Black Wolves to have their top player on the floor for these final five games making a playoff run. But you can't take that into account when dealing with this situation, especially since you have now confirmed that he indeed has done it twice and gotten majors for it. Both times, and this is for all those people who say that Callum Crawford isn't a dirty lacrosse player, and I agree with you. Callum Crawford is not a dirty lacrosse player. However, he is prone to do dirty things. The play in Buffalo last year where he got the match penalty, he jumped up and hit the guy in the head. The play on Bradley Creed that's got him in his second match penalty, he jumped up and hit him in the head. There's no reason for Callum Crawford, other than trying to score a goal, for him to jump near a body. And so, no, he's not a dirty player, but he does make dirty moves. And that is why he's a repeat offender. And that is why they need to stick to Rule 41.4 in everything that he says and make him serve the final five games. But we'll find out on Thursday, most likely Friday, just in time for the games on the weekend. Now, let's get to the juiciness. Jesse King, uh, Calgary Roughneck, was traded over for Holden Katoni at the draft from Georgia to Calgary. It was a trade that caught so many people off guard. Um, but obviously a trade that has worked, well, essentially has worked out for both teams. Unfortunately, Kinger has yet to get in the lineup. We're going to talk about that. We'll tell you about the knee injury, the reoccurrence of the knee injury, what's happened, when his timetable is, when we can expect him back. Because everybody wants to see Jesse King back on the lacrosse floor. Um, a great young talent, an incredible young athlete, a guy that has a true vision for the sport, the game, life after lacrosse, and just a great humble kid to talk to. This is Jesse King and I live one-on-one here inside Zone Studios. In studio with Jesse King. Kinger, how are you, my man? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me in. Uh, no worries. This is pretty awesome. Uh, uh, two Victoria boys hanging out in a radio station. <laughs> um, obviously, uh, you're well. Things are going well. Um, obviously you're not playing, so everyone's kind of wondering, where's Jesse King? When are the Roughnecks going to get him back? Uh, what can you update people on? Uh, you're two months out of surgery. Uh, how's the comeback season part two coming? <laughs> uh, it's coming well. I think, uh, you know, the, now that this is kind of my second shot at this uh, whole 
comeback, it's uh, it kind of puts things into perspective a little bit more. Yeah. I'm uh, I feel like last time when I was out for a full year, knowing that I was going to be out for a full year, it was a little bit almost less demanding me on me mentally because I knew I wouldn't have a chance to be back during season. And this time, with the opportunity to hopefully be back before the end of season, it's uh, a little bit difficult, but it also puts a little uh, fuel on the fire for mm-hmm. you and lets you hold yourself accountable to those situations. So staying on top of my rehab, staying in shape, uh, getting to the box now that it's getting nicer out in yeah, Victoria yeah. is really important. Um, now I'm just really excited to hopefully get back with my uh, my boys and the Roughnecks and uh, get back to things. Is there a, a, a timetable? Has there ever been a date that you've kind of circled on the calendar where you're like, that's the day where I think I could be back? Um, there's been a couple tentative dates. Um, Doc kind of has been changing them, and he's been talking to my rehab here in Victoria, so... There's been a couple of, like, at one point I wanted to be at, like, 10 weeks. They're like, no, let's take 12, see how you are then. Um, so hopefully we can see me back in the next month or so. We'll see what happens. That would be pretty awesome to get back. You've, you've sat out this whole season, uh, your new season with Calgary. You've been chomping at the bit. How did – I don't know if a lot of people really know what happened. How did you get hurt? Yeah, it was uh, – it was interesting. I was uh, it was first training camp in Calgary. I was so excited to be there. Um, the guys were excited to have you have me, which was really, you know, it makes you feel really good about yourself. You know, getting pumped up, being coming to a new team, and I uh, I had my knee brace on from when I was playing or from when I did my knee before, and I thought honestly at the end of the day, like I was getting pretty fatigued, and I took a step and kind of tweaked my knee a little bit, and I was like, oh, it's. You know, it's been a long day. This is, like, our third practice of the day. Yeah. It's probably just a little bit sore. And then, uh, you know, a week later, not not really no much change had come to the pain or, you know, the twisting action. And then another week went by, and I didn't travel to Sask for our um, for our scrimmage. And that's when they were like, okay, we're going to fly out and get this thing looked at. Mm-hmm. So I had it looked at, torn the meniscus again, just along the same suture line that uh, had happened last time. So um, it was an emotional day for me. I have a tough time holding those things in so yeah. there was a couple you know tears that were shed but uh, again i have amazing support in the roughnecks and they've been on top of me for everything that i've done so far getting me into rehab getting me into surgery you know within a month yeah. is uh fantastic in you know in canada for sports i think it's really amazing um so i owe them you know all the thanks in the world and again i'm just really excited to get back with them how closely do you keep an eye on everything? And how closely are you intermixed with the team? Because sometimes, you know, guys are on the IR. They're not traveling. They're not in the group chats mm-hmm. and stuff like that. How how tightly have you bonded with this group, even though you've been away? Yeah, I think I'm still – I like to think I'm pretty tight with most of the guys. Yeah. Um, you know, you got Danny Mack on there who's played in Victoria. You got Dutchie. You got Birdie. And you got Greg. And those guys live in Victoria. So it's nice to see them around once in a while. Um but I'm also in the group chats. I like to, you know, throw my two bits in there, wish them, uh, you know, good luck before every game. I watch every game on the weekends, and um, you, I'm getting to the point where I'm, like, pulling my hair out because I really, really want to be out there and playing, and I'm, like, at, like getting close, so it makes it a little bit even more difficult. But um, I uh, I like to think I'm pretty involved, and I think yeah. the guys will, will vouch for me on that <laughs> side of things, I think. Do you uh do you find yourself yelling at the screen watching games? Oh, constantly. I uh That's I'll the be worst. watching it. Yeah, I've watched it with my parents or even just with friends and like maybe I'm hanging out with them on a Saturday and I'm watching that while they're doing whatever and I'm just like in the corner screen at the TV or yeah. like celebrating at the TV for a goal or something. Uh 
you know, I'm a competitive person. I don't like to lose. So when you have to watch your team, it gets difficult. But it also is how you stay involved and um, how I can still see, like, the systems that we run as a team. And, you know, I can hopefully vouch for some feedback for the guys whenever they ask for it, I think, which is important. And, uh, again, it just keeps me on top of my game. You talked about the emotional part of, of learning that you injured your knee again. How tough is it to have to sit out another season or parts of another season and watch? Because you did it in Georgia. You had mm-hmm. to watch the Swarm win the championship in Saskatchewan. Like That had to be pretty hard to watch. Now you're watching your new team fighting for playoffs and hopefully that you get back. But it's got to be tough. I've been through it. It's got to be tough to watch. Yeah, I think the hardest part for me is knowing that how badly Calgary ended up wanting to you know, acquire me in a mm-hmm. trade. And they kind of got their wish. And then I got to move, be a little bit closer at home, which is really fantastic. Um, and then you go out in the first weekend and you do something like that. Um, it's, it can crush people. Yeah. I think, you know, I really wanted to come to this team and kind of prove myself um, and just, like, make myself a staple on this team. And now I don't really have that opportunity to do that as early as I would like it mm-hmm. to be. But, again, the guys on the team are so supportive. Coach checks in with me every week to see how I'm doing, see how I'm doing things. He's always talking about how he, they're missing me in the locker room. Um, and little things like that are the things that you have to cherish and keep close to you. And I think that that's what keeps you really, you know, buzzing to get back out there. And, you know, even this weekend I was saying uh, when they were wearing the uh, the Shamrock jerseys or the, the St. Paddy's Day jerseys, and I got a picture from Danny Mac in uh, just over text message or something, and it was my jersey hanging in your locker room. And those are the kind of things that, yeah. you know, you just you humble yourself for those situations and you, you just be thankful that they're there thinking about you. You spoke about Reese Dutch. Um, oh, I'm going to get to that in a minute. You talked about Kurt Miloski, your head coach. As a Victoria guy growing up. <laughs> and I felt the same way because my first year in Rochester, I played with Kurt. Um, you grow up hating the Adnecks, and you probably grew up yeah. despising Kurt Miloski as a lacrosse player. Um, probably even in you know time with Junior going against Burnaby, uh, that kind of relationship with Victoria Burnaby. But how is it now having him as a coach? Even though, you know, you're you're still new, but mm-hmm. that relationship, how is it? Yeah, I think that, uh, I mean, Junior, I was, he was the coach of Coquitlam, and yeah. I was absolutely terrified of him. <laughs> <laughs> like, to the, like, to the point where, like, you avoid the center line because coach is sitting there waiting for you to come near the center line so he can give you a piece. Yeah. But um, at the same time, I I love his passion for the game. I love his determination. I really enjoy how um, he, de- like, he doesn't, really I don't want to say that he demands respect but like it's automatically there for Mm -hmm. all the team my first practice with the Roughnecks it was automatically there and I think just seeing that it really drives me internally Mm -hmm. just because that's how I was kind of coached and even raised as a kid um he runs a tight practice which I really love it keeps you you know close-knit as a teammate to keep holding each other accountable and then he holds you accountable which I think is really amazing and I think our relationship is going to thrive off of that. And I think, you know, he's one of the guys that really wanted me to get me mm-hmm. to the Calgary's. And even in the draft, he wanted to get me in the draft, right? And uh, I think now that I'm there, I'm really, really excited to learn from him. And I haven't really got a huge opportunity at that yet, yeah. obviously, but I'm completely looking forward to it for sure. Um, you mentioned the Victoria guys. Reese Dutch uh, is a, Victor- a true Victoria guy. Mm-hmm. Um, how awesome is it to see him having success after, you know, the follow-up that he had with Vancouver? Yeah, I think it's amazing. You know, last uh, he came back last summer, like, kind of frustrated on what had gone on in the year. 
And even the summer, I think his first game, he had something like nine assists or something yeah, ridiculous yeah. like that. I don't even remember. And we were all like, is this the new Dachi we've seen? And then, you know, he had a really fantastic summer uh, on the floor. I think off the floor, he's developed so much as a as a leader. Um, he's training often. You know, he's having he's got a really tough schedule. He's got a full-time, huge full-time job as a real estate agent. He's got two kids now. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I envy the guy for what he can do throughout his day. And he's messaging me, asking me what I'm doing for my workout so I can send to him. And then to see him really, you know, break out this year. And it looks like every time I'm watching the screen, he's smiling and he's scoring. I think he's having a really fun time. And then this kind of like rebirth into a, a different team and yeah. in a team that, you know, might it might even let a little bit of um, pressure off of him with the guys that we have on this team. And I think that that's something that he's realizing and really enjoying, and I think he's having fun out there. Do you speak with Carson Young much? Uh, I talked to him, funny you say that, probably a month ago. I see his dad quite a bit. Yeah. That's a crazy story about he, Carson, and, and a sad story as well. Yeah. I um, I don't know if I want to talk about it too much, yeah. just uh, seeing his dad and um, kind of talking to Carson briefly, but, you know, I wish him all the best, and I hope he gets better soon. Yeah. Um, some of the guys you've grown up with, Chris Wardle, uh, Brody Eastwood, yourself, how cool is it to be playing the sport you love at such a high level with guys you kind of grew up with? Yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. Wardle and Brody and I, I think we've known each other since we were around kindergarten. Wardle went to a different elementary school, so maybe it was a little bit later, but, you know, you play, like, the sports against yeah, the kids when you're in, like, grade four or something. Um, and I think for Wardle, who's a guy um, in BC, obviously, when I was – uh, getting through intermediate, you always play your two years intermediate, and he's a guy who played intermediate B and then never took the opportunity to go to college anywhere outside of, or in the States for a scholarship. Um, I just don't know if it was top of mind for him, but he was always our MVP at the start of the year playing Junior Shamrocks because yeah. he was playing all the games. And yeah. he has developed into such a fantastic player and such a fantastic, amazing friend to me as well. Um, you know, it's kind of nice to have you know, those couple guys where you can really relate to because they have the same, you know, job on the weekends yeah. where, you know, you, you work all week and you fly out on Friday. Um, you come back on Sunday and, you know, you get those lucky games where you're playing against each other, especially now being in Calgary, you get to see those guys a little bit more. And, I mean, Brody's the same thing. He's a guy who's, you know, guys getting married this summer and I'm going to be a groomsman at his wedding. Yeah. So <laughs> it's interesting to always especially with the Victoria and Nanaimo rivalry yeah. with him. It's uh, it's always interesting going to battle, and we definitely get in scuffles sometimes. But, you know, that's just the competitiveness that you're able to have on the floor with each other and just kind of get rid of off the floor. I think it's uh, it can be challenging at times, but at the same time, it's I don't think we would have it any other way, really, except for if Brody maybe related to Victoria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fingers but, crossed. Uh, yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed. Who knows, right? Um, but yeah, I uh, I really love to see that they're doing being successful out there. It's really really awesome for those guys. Who's the biggest sandbagger on the golf course out of those two guys? Oh man, <laughs> um, Wardle's actually a really good golfer. Really? Yeah, like he's a very solid golfer, and I Wardle might be one of the more quietest people that you ever yeah. talk oh, yeah. to. But he is by far the most competitive person I've ever. That's met. a true story. And. He cannot stand being bad at things, and I don't think there's a sport where, like, he plays soccer, basketball. The kid is just a pure athlete, and he's always just, like, a little bit better than, like, us other, like, athletes who try to play other sports. Yeah. He's just got a little bit more in the tank, and 
God, I hate him for it. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, Brody's definitely the yeah. sandbagger. He, yeah. uh, he plays quite a bit as well. Or we, ha- we have started playing a little bit more over the last couple summers. You guys uh, get uh, memberships at OV? Did those guys get Wardle, Yeah, Wardle had a member, or Wardle didn't have a membership last, or he did have a membership yeah. last year, but I don't know if he's doing it this year. I think they might be going to Callwood. I don't know. Ooh, fancy. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I think they got a deal as a buddy of ours. Makes and I know that uh, our other friend uh, Hoffer's doing that too. Yeah. So <laughs> hopefully uh, I get out there with them. Yeah, now. exactly. Um, last year, the Mammoth did a, a mountain trip out the Mount, Mount Estes where they filmed uh, Dumb and Dumber and all the hotel scenes and stuff like that. And a bunch of us went for a hike up the mountain one time. Wardle was like 50 <laughs> yards ahead of everybody. And he wasn't panting or out of breath. No. He's like, oh, I can keep going to the next summer. Let's keep going, guys. And the rest of us are just gasping for air he has a gas tank that has no end i don't i i honestly don't like he in our off season is playing on like a d2 soccer team and is like is one of the best players on their team and he's like he's played soccer i know since he was a kid um but i think he just like loves the competitiveness and he just loves to be out there and um i like i'll go to their games occasionally and i'm sitting on the bench i'm like Damn, my legs would have been bundled right now. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I'd just be dead. Yeah. And there's Wardle like sprinting past these kids who like play soccer for like like that's their sport, like yeah. that they play. And he's I don't know, I don't get it. Uh, <laughs> me neither. Um, T T U N. Is that is it what what's it stand for? T T U N is that team up north, and that's a Ohio State Ichigan thing. That's in Ohio State, yeah. Are you allowed to say the M word? Do you say the M word? Uh, I don't anymore. I definitely, when I got there to Ohio State, had like I was so blindsided by the amount of culture and hate you have to that team, yeah, up north, and it's always a special week when it's that week. Um. One of the craziest things that I, I don't think I'll ever forget this the rest of my life is uh, on campus. Like, the campus is huge. There's, mm-hmm. like, 70,000 undergrad or, or 70,000 students total. And this the campus is, like, a, it's, like, the size of Duncan for you people that live on the <laughs> island. Like, it's it's huge. It takes <laughs> you five minutes to drive. Through. Yeah, it's massive. And, like, I would have to walk from one to the other. It take you, like, a good 45 minutes. Yeah. But they it, – it's, it's crazy. Every single sign – on campus that has the letter M on it has red electrical tape crossed over top of Unreal. it during Mich- Michigan week. Yeah. And I said it. You just I, said I, it. I, wow. I, I you almost caught yourself, I too. I just like, ugh. But I won't tell Logan. During that, during that week, which is always um, American Thanksgiving week, right. too. Yep. So it's a really big buildup for the game. The game's always at noon, so you're waking up at 5 and starting your day. And uh, it's it's something special that I I don't again those are something else. and Brody actually came one year yeah and he nice. came to the school and he got he was like there's no way like you're talk talk this day up and he got there and he was uh, blown away. <laughs> um, Curtis Smith was one of the first guys I think I remember going to Ohio State maybe the first Victoria guy to go or even BC guy maybe I don't know mainland guys but uh, yeah, he always Bloom. Used to, um, Jason Bloom Jason, yeah, Jason Bloom. Bloom went yeah uh, but Curtis Smith might have been the first island guy to go and yes. I, and I. Remember him telling basically the same story. We met, we play at Mercer's. We went down and scrimmage him <laughs> one year, and we saw him. And he said the same thing. He's like, there are so many people here. You walk from one side of the campus to the other, you may not see a single person you know for a 20-minute walk. No, it's, uh, it's crazy. And it's everyone is, like, it just so invested in the scarlet and red. Or scarlet and gray, sorry. And it's, I, it's so hard to explain. But, yeah. like, you go to these football games with 110,000 people and – there's all their songs that they sing, and it's it's some it's something I'm special, and I'll always be a Buckeye, right. and I couldn't be more proud of that. Um, 
Coach Meyer is a pretty good guy. Yeah, I love Coach. Um, it took me a while to get to love and <laughs> yeah, Coach. Uh, that usually happens in college. And yeah, it does exactly. And I think that especially going in as you know a nineteen year old who had no idea what to expect, and kind of learning, you know, the flashes of like turning from you know a, a high school kid into into a man, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that accountability piece was really difficult for me for the first couple of years, and then. There was a moment, and it was uh, like an epiphany moment that I had with Coach, and I think it was like halfway through my sophomore year, three quarters way through my sophomore year, and it kind of hit me, and I was just like, I understand now. Yeah. And there is there things I would have done different during that time? Absolutely. I think everyone could say that um, as far as leadership and um, how you, you know, take advantage of those situations. It goes by so fast. Yeah, it does. And, uh, you know, I thank Coach Myers for even taking a chance on a kid from, you know, Vancouver Island yeah, yeah. from coming to Ohio. So uh, forever grateful to that man. And there's a lot of Buckeyes in the NLL now. Yeah, there's uh, myself, there's Turner, Jake Withers, Eric Fennell, um Logan. Logan and Brock and Johnny Pearson is down in uh, San Diego now. Yeah. Um, Bucky's still over in uh, New England. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who might be he might have been the first one to be honest who i don't know bloomer would have been he's yeah. not playing anymore yeah, but he, he was there yeah. uh, i think that's all though yeah that's like, quite a few though so and, and you got yeah and you guys keep a good chirp session going i see all your guys messages <laughs> back and forth you were talking about best restaurants in ohio by the campus and all that stuff like that's always a cool uh-huh. dynamic to have whether it whether you went to school together through those four years maybe it was just one year you're just alumni together that bond never changes yeah i mean you're forever bonded with those guys and i'm not sure at other like i might be biased but i don't think at other schools you have that culture connection like you do at ohio state and knowing like i said you're going to these football games where literally people like that's their lives yeah like they feed off (laughs) these football games and it's i couldn't believe it and i was like oh yeah i like football you know i'll go watch football games and then i'm seeing these people dressed up and i'm like you like football (laughs) but uh, you try to get to that level of like connection and you know again with guys like turner and you wait have woken up with him you know at 5 a.m for um, three months straight and you know been run until you're dead with full sweats on and a 10 pound shaft so like (laughs) you just immediately created a bond with that kind of thing it's you go through those t- like tough workouts and tough times with somebody um and even logan when he was there kind of pushing us through that it's just like a level of respect that you gain from you know that brotherhood mm-hmm. and it's uh something that will hold i think to each other for a very long time how closely do you keep tabs on younger brother marshall marshall i keep quite close tabs on him he's uh he's in victoria right now yep. for a little break spring break for spring break yes um he is uh, probably one of my close people. I talk to him every day. Yeah. I watch his games on Saturday. It's nice. I wake up on Saturday, and I'll usually – his games are usually at noon, so that's like 9 o'clock at our time. So I'll, like, eat in the morning, you know, do whatever I got to do chore-wise in the morning, and then I'll flick his game on and do it while I'm, you know, maybe doing meal prep or laundry yeah. or whatever and watch his game. And then I'll usually go train. And then by the time I'm done everything or, like, talk with somebody, it's time to watch the Roughnecks. So yeah, it's, like, kind yeah, of my Saturday yeah. tradition right now. Um, and uh, he's in an interesting predicament. And it's, uh, you 
know, I really thought that in that we were going to end up getting him in the end, and I uh, I know that the Shamrocks are trying, and I'm not sure what's going to happen moving forward. Yeah. Um, obviously, I hope to have him back in Victoria, and I know he's going through some tough personal stuff right now, which is, uh, you know, again, I have the utmost respect for this kid that's five years younger than me who's already going through something yeah. more difficult than I have ever done. So um, I kind of wanted to touch on that. Um, for those that don't know, his girlfriend, Yeah. she has osteosarcoma, and that's the same disease that um kyle miller had i believe i think so yeah yeah um how's she doing she's doing really well yeah yeah because um, i know the lacrosse world is really you know coming around mm-hmm. um uh, michelle fines Absolutely. and supporting for her and, and i know you posted the thing uh for marshall's girlfriend so i just kind of you know everybody know how she's doing and kind of give some more love for that and send her some some of our energy yeah she's uh man she is a fantastic human she is an absolute trooper um this girl had like her knee was just the size of a volleyball when she her and my brother came back from Banff and uh, she got diagnosed and she did her I, I think it's her eight rounds of chemo and mm-hmm. then surgery and now she's in her last like I want to say I think it's 12 weeks yeah. of chemo or wow. maybe more than that um, and she's just I saw her last night for dinner it was my sister's birthday and she's just all smiles and it's she's I, she's just a trooper for her yeah. job um she's the man or day manager of ban thai which yeah. is this thai food restaurant in victoria unreal and yeah good food and um they did it uh they basically took all of their proceeds that they made um a couple of weeks ago and donated them to emily and i'm not sure what the final amount was but unreal. it was in the upper you know like eight nine ten thousand dollars that wow. they were able to donate toward to, to emily for you know, for rehab that's not paid for, for part of her chemo that's not paid for, for her travel going over to Vancouver and coming right. back to, to BC Children's and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, utmost respect for them and thanks, so thankful for them. And I'm happy Em's doing really well right now, yeah. and I'm happy Marsh is able to be back spending some time with her. That's awesome. Good for them. Yeah. Um, are you still working with Lulu? I am, yeah. You're I, not a Lulu ambassador, though. No. Were I, you? No. Never? <laughs> no, never an ambassador. Uh the ambassador program is for people who kind of basically they embrace this we call it the sweat life which is you're very like goal driven um for example one of the guys that or we have three men ambassador right now one guy is a crossfit coach and then the golf pro at island pacific which is a really nice golf course here in yeah. victoria um, the other guy is a chiropractor. He works at The Fix, and he also is like a kettlebell specialist, movement specialist, um, another f- really great human. And then the last guy is a foreman for a plumbing, I want to say plumbing or pipe fitting. And then he is an acro yoga specialist, and he's going to do his yin yoga training now. Is that Brandon Seabrook? Yeah, oh, yeah. Sherbrooke. Sherbrooke. Yeah, Brandon yeah. Sherbrooke, yeah. who uh, – and there are three guys that are so community-driven. They're out doing stuff all the time. Yeah. Um, so we've had the really really great plev- prev- privilege over the last year and a half to be spending time with them, and it's been really, really great to get to know them. Is that Second Wind? Is that what I call the Second Wind series? Yeah, Second Speaking Wind series? was uh, an event that our when we were at Uptown, we planned, and essentially it was we had a really amazing speaker panel of um, ex-Olympic Canadian athletes who I think they're most of them were Canadian Olympic athletes if not like World Cup rugby athletes right. who were there and they talked about their transition of you know these these athletes donate 
you know, 20 years of their life to, or 15, whatever, 20 years of their life to represent Canada at their in their respected sport at the Olympics. And essentially, if all you know is training for six days a week, two mm -hmm. times a day, and then you get your one day off, and then you're, you know, you get your holidays off, and then all of a sudden that comes to a halt one day when you have to retire. And I think it's a lot more conventional now because there's a little bit more resources. Um, there's still resources that people don't even realize they like they have. Mm -hmm. um, and just to create that awareness for athletes like that, um, I think it's a little different for us lacrosse players who, you know, we get compensated for what we do. These Olympic athletes, a lot of times they get like carded and they're only getting a certain amount of money per mm -hmm. month to like feed themselves yeah. and pay rent. And a lot of them have like really part time jobs. Um, so being able to ra raise awareness on like how these amazing athletes like transitioned out of sport and one of the guys who's still in sport harry jones he's yep. a rugby player great guy um fantastic human yeah and uh he kind of touched base on what it's going to be like for him because his goal is to get to 2020 olympics and then after that he's not sure so mm. it's like how he is able to use these resources now to make that transition a lot easier right we had something like 200 people there. Um, Sage sponsored it. Um, Fatso Peanut Butter was there. Hoyne um, Brewery was there. Whole Foods gave us a bunch of food. And the Uptown supplied this amazing stage and backdrop and uh, space for it. And Wicked. it was so cool. It was really cool. Me, uh, My team and I were just able to create this event and have you know friends, family, people who may have never seen like the mindful side of Lululemon and how... Yeah supportive the company can be and not just you know what you wear for apparel every day at the gym or for yoga or for whatever but also you know how you can mentally prepare yourself for a transition that for a lot of people it like in my mind like athletes more or less die twice like you die when you are not able to play the sport you love anymore yeah and then obviously you pass when you pass yeah. so i think being prepared for those situations for everyone's a little different, but at least having those resources and knowing about them is really important. I think that's what Second Wind was able to do. Has it made it that much more important for you to be involved in that, having gone through knee issues and kind of seeing maybe a flashing light mm -hmm. saying, okay, maybe one more of those and I might not be able to do what I still love? Yeah, I think that it always puts things into perspective. Any kind of injury, I think, puts that in perspective. At the same time, I got to see, you know, these athletes that... Um, no matter what, like they sacrifice to get what they want and they drive themselves with goals and with, you know, teammates supporting them. And I haven't really thought about what it would be like to retire yet. Um, I like to think I'm, I've still got a big long career ahead of me and getting healthy has uh, been my number one goal now, I think for about a year and a half. And it's something that is I think for anybody is really difficult to find that balance of how are you eating, how are you training, how are you rehabbing, how are you stretching, you know, are you mm -hmm. drinking enough water? Um, and obviously some people can find that really easily and I'm just still kind of working on trying to find that and I think that um, it's also part of the fun of it all. So, Did you ever think as a young kid growing up that you'd be a sponsored lacrosse player? No. I... Uh, I didn't even really know about like the whole like NLL sponsor, um, like how that really worked. My goal was, I mean, you, you set these goals as a kid and you don't even realize it, but like my dream was to play in the NLL and I would just going to hopefully be thankful to be there and playing with, you know, the best people in the world. And 
as soon as you get to that goal, you're thankful for it. And then you have companies like Epic Lacrosse, who sponsors me right now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're a company that sponsored me when I was injured. They reached out to me before anybody, just in my, you know, first professional year of, or whatever, second professional year of sports. And they were like, hey, like, we want you to be an athlete of ours. And, you know, we'll give you this, this, and this. And I just really loved, you know, the character that you can see in that company. Yeah. and. I mean, I think you can see how much they've already exploded into the lacrosse scene, considering, you know, the the new heads they're coming out with. They're sponsoring schools down the states. They're an NLL official sponsor, um, and they supply bags to the league, whatever sticks, heads, gloves. And you see more and more guys using the Epic gloves yeah. now these days, which I think is amazing. And you know, they sent me my custom gloves with like our signature and our number on it, which I think is really unique. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really That's unique, awesome. and it's cool because. They send you all this stuff and then you're able to kind of like give it away to kids you know that you see at like camps or at the yeah. box some random day or buddies of mine whatever and they start using it and that's just like that's free marketing for them yeah and it, it really is brilliant i think and they're doing a fantastic job do you think your autograph needs changing now that you've seen it on a glove <laughs> i actually changed it not too long ago i want to say it might have been right when I started doing my glove. I kind of changed it, and it just, like, you used to sign, like, your whole name, and then, like, you scribble it on, but now <laughs> I just do J. King, and it's really really simple, really quick. Do you write your number? Uh, and then one nine, yeah, up in the corner. 19th. Yeah, it's a number. That's a great number. Yes, Who was is. your guy? Who was your 19 growing up? 19? It's got to be, it's got to be, uh, it's got to be Paul. Yeah, of course. You thought to think about which gate it was for a second. I did. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, wait, Gary wore number 22. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember my memories of the gates. What did you remember growing up being a, a Victoria kid growing up in the golden era of, of lacrosse? Oh, man. I think I was nine years old. It might have been before nine. I think it was like nine years old when I went to my first Shamrock. No, it must have been earlier than that. I can't remember. Um, but, man, the old Memorial Arena – yeah. Uh, was I'm so upset that they took that thing down. It was the, the best. The hot dog smell? The hot dog smell. Like, those riggedy old, like, brown wooden seats yeah. that were in there. They had, like, a quarter-inch piece of soft 1960s foam oh. on it. And I remember watching, um, who was it? It was, it might have been, it might have been Royker, to be honest. He might have scored a goal from behind the center, from behind center line. He, like, he's a goalie. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure it was him. It was either him or Matt. No, it wouldn't have been Matt King. And you were nine? No, that was your first game. That was my first game. Okay, we're not, I'm not that much older than no, you. No, but who would have been the goalie then? Devin, what, like, how, what year are we talking? I'm talking 2001. Okay, then that's maybe Devin DeLeap and Royker were our two goalies in 2001. So I'm pretty sure it was yeah, Royker. Maybe, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was scored, Royker that scored, a, scored goal? a goal at Mem Memorial Arena. And I also remember him getting in a fight at more. That's, more. Yeah, that's more Royker. That's the Royker that I know. And I think most people remember. And I saw this, and, like, I had already I, – I started lacrosse a little later than – like, not later than, like, the normal, but I was I was at seven. So, yeah. like, you're, like, second-year tyke. Yeah. Because um, I played – my dad was a baseball player when he was a kid, so I naturally played hockey in the winter and mm -hmm. baseball in the summer. And then two years of that, and then finally you get to, like, elementary school, and you hang out with your – you find, like, your friend group. You find like, Brody Eastwood. You find Brody. You find <laughs> these other guys, and they're like, why are you playing that sport? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't want to play this anymore with that. <laughs> I want to play lacrosse. And my family had zero idea about lacrosse. Um, but we jumped in, and uh, I remember going to the – 
to these games and i caught a ball in my first game too i remember diving across like two <laughs> kids in the stands that i'm there with they take you like with your minor team yeah to the games like yeah. as part of it and it was just uh i remember that and i also remember i'm pretty sure that a pro game yeah. Came to that yeah. arena. Was, uh, but that's when the Washington yeah, Power were. Yeah, they were Washington against Vancouver. And that. My brother played in that game. Yeah, that's when I saw Paul and Gary. Right, yeah. And I was like, I don't like these guys because they're <laughs> on the other team. Yeah, yeah. And then you later find out that they used to play for your 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 Shamrocks and uh, kind of changed everything. But um, no, those guys, they revolutionized the sport. Yeah. So And we, yeah. Watched, we still watch their games on. Uh, on our bus rides to the Shamrocks oh, yeah. in the summer, Hazer always puts his tapes yeah. on and yeah. we watch them. <laughs> Hazer's pads in the 90s were the best. Oh, it's phenomenal. Um, where was I going to go with that? We were talking lacrosse, we were talking Shamrocks, we were talking everything. Um, <laughs> did you ever play between periods? Oh, uh, yeah, we did. Wasn't that the best? Yeah, such a good experience. And, like, it's so funny watching it now because you're like, Look at these kids. Like, I can't imagine, like, being out. And it's in, obviously, in Bear Mount or the Q Arena now. Yeah. Um, and you see these games going on, and you're like, I can't believe we used to do this. <laughs> you know? Right? Back then, we had the big plastic McWhippet sticks. The and... Whippet sticks. And I remember they used to bring the board out and put it on yeah. the net because, yeah. like, the nets would be too tall. It would tall. just be at the top of the <laughs> so goalie's head. Just yeah. Hold. yeah. And now, of course, they've, like, made the smaller nets for the younger kids. Yeah. Um, oh, those were always funny times. And it wouldn't even be, like, Five on five, it'd be like fifteen on fifteen <laughs> games. Yeah. There's no like... room for line changes because that was like the biggest floor going too. Yeah, it was. Especially when your legs were only a foot and a half long. Yeah, it's a long way to go. Yeah. You're just humming it down the other end and praying the goalie's not paying attention. Yeah. but I mean, most of the time they're not. Yeah, because they're like waving to the yeah. parents in the stands. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you want to get into coaching because I know you do a lot of work with the Shamrocks during the summer. With you, you get your team has camps stuff like that, and you guys do a great, great job with with growing the game here in Victoria. Uh, is the ever coaching ever crossed your mind? Is that something you want to get into later? Um, I think I would like test it out. Yeah, I do understand. I've heard it before where somebody goes, I don't know who said it, but a lot of the time players don't make the best coaches. Yeah. And I truly believe in that sometimes it's just because miss. it does. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's definitely miss. hit and miss. And I think the one thing that worries me is that I am so competitive and I have a tendency to get over overreact about things that I can't control yeah. in games sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm working on it. It's getting a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> you don't um, take as many on sports. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, uh, I think Simmer will attest to that for me. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I do want to be around the sport for as long as I can, so yeah. I could see myself maybe not as, like, a head coach in position, but, like, hanging out with the offense. Yeah. Um, I don't see why not. But at the same time, I really want to continue to play yeah, as of long course. as I yeah, can. Yeah, absolutely. So you don't always think about that stuff, I think. Um, the one thing us lacrosse players never really get is a summer. Mm -hmm. um, where would you like to go traveling if you ever, you know, got more than a six-week break between September and training camp? Yeah, so I was really fortunate when I did my knee the first time. Um, Scott Browning lives in Victoria. Yeah. Or he, he kind of lives in Victoria. Kind of, yeah. yeah. He's, he's a halfer. Yeah, he's a halfer. He, um, he reached out to me and offered me the opportunity to go to Hong Kong. Yeah. And go and coach the Hong Kong national team. Yeah. And so I did, and I went when I was injured and um, had an amazing time. It was an absolutely beautiful 
beautiful city and I got to travel around a little bit. So a lot of it was like practices with the team, but there mm-hmm. was like four days where I didn't have to do that. And I basically got ex- escorted around Hong Kong with one of the guys on the team and had an amazing time. And I've got another opportunity this summer where I'll be missing a couple Shamrocks game, unfortunately, but uh, they've asked me to come back Wicked. and Wicked. go to Korea this time. Nice. So I get to go to Korea for about 11, 10 or 11 days. And I actually just met Scott the other day to kind of finalize what it looks like. But I get to go coach the team in a tournament now. So fun. So it'll be... Uh, so now we're going to see how you do a coaching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess there it is. So I guess... All right. The follow, good circle. follow-up question. <laughs> good yeah. follow-up no, question. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. It's a lot of the same guys that I coached when I was there yeah. a year and a half ago. And I had a couple guys, as soon as they found out, were like... You're coming back like so excited Sweet. so um it's always humbling and makes you happy about yourself yeah i know uh i grew up with travis taylor and travis gillespie and i know they're over there i think mm-hmm. travis is with taiwan okay um and uh they're they've been working with england across and hong kong across and scotty's been there for it's almost got to be closing in on like six seven years probably yeah because he's seven. been going a lot yeah I, think it's seven years. I know like lewis has gone over there nick carlson i think has gone over there like a bunch of, he's brought a lot of guys yeah over carson there. went over there yep. dylan ward went over there with carson yep. um who else went? i know they've had i think kevin crowley was out there yeah. kyle harrison was out there something like that it's awesome yeah i, I think what scott's doing is, is phenomenal with that program it really is and uh they've got a guy who runs that program who's very passionate about lacrosse and about growing the sport in um in hong kong and even just seeing you know their progress Mm -hmm. over like one uh my like the worlds that i went to in 2014 compared to the worlds they went to in 2018 um last summer they made tremendous progress and um it's an interesting it's such a different culture over in hong kong and you know, there's guys over there that it's pretty regular to work like a 12-hour day over there. Mm. And then to have the energy for them to, you know, be in a city of millions and millions of people to get to a lacrosse field with your lacrosse gear that's, like, hard enough to find. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's really cool. It's really inspiring as well. Um, two things before I let you go. How cool was the Flashes War on the Floor video? Oh, amazing. Yeah. Bringing back all the memories to hear that the song. Bandage. As soon as you yeah, hear just the song. A, just the yeah. song. You and know they're from Victoria, right? The guys that. Hot, uh, hot heat. The guys that sing Bunnage. Yeah, they're no. from Victoria. Yeah. That's so sweet. Yeah. Even better. Even better. <laughs> yeah. No, I remember I could literally, like, I feel like every summer for minor lacrosse, we had our wind up party at the same house. And we first thing you do is you watch War on, on the, the floor. floor. Oh, yeah. And, like, oh, the brutal hits. Oh, my God. I can't even. It was I was having deja vu and then like that hearing seeing that updated version you did yeah. such a fantastic job I can't believe someone hasn't done that sooner right yeah, yeah. so props to him yeah uh, I'll never forget War on the Floor because my brother's on it playing for Washington <laughs> shushing the crowd in the <laughs> ACC because he scored like a tying goal or something like that and then they lost the game on overtime and uh, when Blaine Manning scored so great um, and finally uh, Dane Doby short side backhander this weekend oh I uh, was it this week it was two weekends ago might have been two weekends ago. Would have been two weekends ago. Yeah, yeah two weekends um, ago. It's weird because I saw him. I saw Doe's back and the guy in, and I was like, oh, he's going to do it right now. And you almost see it coming. You almost see it coming, but, like, I mean, D- Doe's is so unexpected. But, I, again, I've watched every single game this year now, yeah. and you see him back in, and, like, he gives you, like, the little look over your shoulder, and he's, like, a pretty big guy. And you see his stick just, like, drop below his hands. I was like, here it is. Here it is. And he didn't even, like, I think it was Ro- against Rosie. Rosie. Yeah. And he didn't even have a chance to see it. Like, no one would have a chance no. to see that. It's like, 
I don't understand how he does. It, it blows my mind. <laughs> um, I lied. I got one more for you. Um, during the whole strike process, and not strike, but uh, the lockout between the union and the league, you got a chance to sit down with uh, John Horgan, the, the British Columbia Premier, mm-hmm. along with um, the CFL PA, yeah. some NHL PA guys. Yeah, Dwayne Rolson was yeah, there. And yeah, and yeah. uh, former NLL Chris McElroy is a Victoria mm-hmm. guy, and Dutchie was there. Yeah, Dutchie came with um, well. What was the whole goal of that? Um, essentially, the whole goal of the program is, so as of right now, I think it's more involved with like CFL and NHL guys, mm-hmm. but if, so for example, there was a guy on, I think it was a line or someone in the CFL who got hurt and he had to have like neck surgery. Right. And as far as, and like he was in the last year of his contract, so his contract ended, but when with his, their insurance it lasts for a year from the day you have it's either the day that it happens or the day that you have your first treatment i think okay. it's the day that happens okay so like a guy who has neck has to have neck surgery yeah. you don't have one surgery no. you have like three surgeries and that's over like two and a half years so your insurance from the team runs up after that year right so you're now paying for two surgeries and the rehab from two surgeries on your own from an injury that happened while you're playing for this team. Right, in a professional. In a professional, yeah, exactly. Whereas if I was to, you know, be working construction and something happened to my neck, yeah, my insurance would cover me until I'm better. Right. So the difference of, like, being a pro athlete in those contracts and, you know, essentially you're, you're almost, you're screwed. Mm-hmm. Like, you're putting your life on the line to play this sport for this team and then – you can't even afford to properly, you know, rehabilitate yourself. Right. And so the so the whole goal of that was to raise awareness about that. And I think they did. They ended up going across all the provinces. Right. Yeah, they did. And um, it was so amazing to see the support from uh, John Horgan. It's funny enough because he is uh, he actually went to high school with my dad. Oh, crazy! So uh, and he's a huge Shamrocks fan. Massive. Shamrocks. Always at the Shamrocks game. So I took him a pair of Shamrocks gloves. Nice. We took him a stick, a nice wooden stick actually yeah. that we had sent over. Um, and he was like, it was funny because the CFL guys were there and he was like, man, I'm sorry guys, but like my shamrock. <laughs> and then he was just like fired up to get pictures with us. And like, oh, I've never felt so good oh, <laughs> in my awesome. life. But, um, so it really just is trying to raise awareness of how, um, professional athletes should be treated in the same like effect as someone who's working right, like yeah. full-time job and to try and get increased insurance so when these things do happen, they are covered by insurance so yeah. they can get their rehab and, and their surgeries that yeah, they're going to need or they're not going to be able to live a normal life. Yeah. Uh, King, this is awesome, man. I appreciate you coming in. Thanks. Um, I hope you get back soon. Yeah, I appreciate that. Even, you know, mammoth guy, whatever. I I love my 19s. Yeah, there you go. Especially Victoria guys. So <laughs> can't wait to see you back. And thanks for coming in. Uh, I'm sure everyone loved listening to you, but again, thanks very much. Yeah, thanks for having me, Teddy. A wonderful, wonderful chat with Jesse King of the Calgary Roughnecks and the Victoria Shamrocks. Um, We touched on a lot of stuff, and it was just great to hear the passion in Jesse's voice talking about wanting to get back into lacrosse, talking about his experiences at OSU, being able to play the game he loves with his best friends that he grew up with. Uh, And there are not too many greater stories than that in sports that when you can play the game you love with your best friends, You can travel around the world growing the game. You can see different places of the earth and the world just because of a silly little sport that we played in our backyard pretending to be the Gate Brothers. And now 
He's an epic sponsored athlete. He's a Team Canada member. Uh, if lacrosse ever gets to the Olympics, you could probably picture Jesse King repping Canada. Uh, a true ambassador for the game. He may not be a Lulu ambassador, but you can put him right up there in lacrosse ambassadors for all the great work that he does. Um, and a guy that uh, has just kind of been given a raw deal with that knee of his, and hopefully everything has gotten better. Hopefully he's going to be able to um, put all these past two injuries behind him, come back better and stronger. And if you follow him on social media, you know that he's putting in the time uh, away from uh, rehab just to make sure that he is stronger, physically fit, and ready to go. Uh, we were joking as we were walking in the studio because I was wearing flip-flop shorts and a T-shirt, and we were joking about how great the weather was and that he was just out at Topaz Box just down the street chucking balls for a couple hours, working on his tan with his shirt off. Like, the guy is itching to get back indoors and play the game that he loves. Uh, he's enjoying the sunny weather here in Victoria, but I'm sure he'd trade all of that in for road trips with the Roughnecks uh, across North America. So thanks to Jesse for coming in. Uh, I appreciate um, the time that it takes to get here and, and to give up with, you know, some time in your day. Uh, but thanks to Jesse for stopping by. It was a great chat. Uh, with another classic Victoria number 19. Only the greats wear 19. That's pretty much going to do it for our show this week. Uh, another long one with that interview with Jesse King. Um, no Pat Gregor this week. I'm sure you're all wondering uh, how come we go two weeks without smoking Pat. Uh, this week he is down in Dallas for work, so uh, unable to acquire him. I think he was with Jerry Jones trying to sign a major network deal um, so that he could be Ezekiel Elliott's microphone guy, just following him around with a microphone, getting quotes from Zeke. Um, so hopefully next week uh, he'll be back in the north and we can talk about his travels and we can get some more juicy tidbits from a guy who's got his finger on the pulse. My name is Teddy Jenner. You can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar or email me teddy.jenner at gmail.com. Thanks to Kyle Killen. Thanks to Jesse King. Don't forget, all the games are on BR Live this weekend. They are starting on Friday. Toronto, Georgia, Colorado, Vancouver, Saskatchewan, San Diego, followed by New England, Philadelphia, Toronto, Buffalo, Colorado, Rochester, and then the return, Vancouver and Colorado. I will have that call for you on Altitude TV and BR Live from downtown Denver. Until then... Enjoy the games this week, and if you go to a game, take a friend. If you take a friend, take two. And don't forget, be excellent to each other.